Good morning and welcome to the Rules Committee of the San Francisco Board of Supervisors for today, Monday, October 24th, 2022. I am the chair of this committee, Aaron Peskin, joined to my right by Vice Chair Supervisor Raphael Mandelman and to my left by committee member Supervisor Connie Chan. Our clerk is Mr. Victor Young. Mr. Young, do you have any announcements? Uh, yes, the Board of Supervisors and its committees are now convening hybrid meetings that allow in-person attendance and public comment while still providing remote access and public comment via telephone. The board recognizes that equitable public access is essential and will be taking public comment as follows. First, public comment will be taken on each item on this agenda. Those attending in person will be allowed to speak first, and then we will take those who are waiting on the telephone line. For those watching either channel 26, 28, 78, or 99 and sfgovtv.org, the public call-in number is streaming across the screen. The number is 415-655-0001. Then enter the meeting ID of 2495-877-5111. Then press pound and pound again. When connected, you will hear the meeting discussions, but you'll be muted and in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up and public comment is called, those joining us in person should line up to speak and those on the telephone line should dial star three to be added to the speaker line. If you are on the telephone, please remember to turn down your television and all other listening devices you may be using. As already indicated, we'll be taking public comment from those attending in person first, and then we go to, we'll go to our public comment telephone line. Alternatively, you may submit public comment in writing in either of the following ways. Email them to myself, the Rules Committee Clerk, at victor.young at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment by email, it will be forwarded to the supervisors and included as part of the file. You may also send written public comment via U.S. mail to our office in City Hall, 1 Dr. Carlton B. Goodlip Place, Room 244, San Francisco, California, 94102. That completes my initial comments. Thank you, Mr. Young. Could you please call the first item? Yes, first on the agenda is item number one. Here to consider appointing four members terms ending June 1st, 2024 to the reentry council. Thank you, Mr. Young. Uh, colleagues, members of the public, you will recall that we heard this item last week and uh, the file uh, had incorrect information in it, so I asked my colleagues to continue it to today's hearing. Uh, we, I think, all agree that we have, as Supervisor Chan said, an embarrassment of riches, and I commented that I was desirous of expanding the reentry council to accommodate everyone, but I said that facetiously. Uh, so we have the tough job of picking four individuals out of 15. Michael Brown has withdrawn in the intervening week. Um, so we've heard from many of the applicants. You are welcome to testify Again, if we heard from you, uh, you don't have to testify, um, but you are welcome to. And with that, we will open it up to applicants um, who may want to add, or if they have not been here before, may want to address the committee. Are there any comments from committee members? Seeing none, I will just call folks, and you don't need to come up if you already spoke. Uh, but I will call them in the order that they appear on the agenda, starting with Chan Lamb, 
for seats one and two. Going on to Yusef Nathan. Andre Lamar Gadson. I'm online. Okay, go right ahead. Good morning, supervisors. My name is Andre Gadson. Uh, I spoke last week about wanting to be appointed to uh, the reentry uh, council. Uh, I think this will be a great opportunity for me to get a chance to not only share the things that I experienced in my life, but to continue to be a, a part of something that's gonna uh, show those who are reentering back into the population how they can make a smooth transition in their life. Uh, me, myself, I served, 30, I served 32 years in prison. Uh, I've been working here in San Francisco since my release, release from prison. Uh, as a part of the Success Center, I am a program manager with our new Credible Messenger program, where I work with uh, juveniles who are re-entering back into society, where I work with them at home in the community or uh, long-term offenders. Uh, this is something that I, I hold to my heart. It's always something that I want to be a part of. Uh, I also, for the last year, supervised the Success Center Pit Stop program where I hired a lot of people uh, from the reentry population. So given the opportunity uh, to sit down with those who have been doing this a little longer than me to come up with some ideas and solutions to help those who are in need. Uh, I'd like to thank you for your time. And uh, I also would like to send my support out to those who are also applying for the positions. I'm applying for seats one, two, and four. Thank you and have a good day. Thank you, Mr. Gadsden. With that, we'll go on to Daisha Spires. Isaac Gray, Jabari Jackson, who we heard from last week, and is an incumbent seeking reappointment. Mr. Jackson. Good morning, supervisors, fellow people in attendance also. Once again, my name is Jabari Jackson, and I am running up once again for one of the seats on the reentry council. You know, I gave my spill and I gave my, and I gave, and I talked to you guys last week what the importance it is to keep this council up and running. But also, I just want to re, re insinuate and talk about what we need to do to bridge the powers that be to the people on the street. Just this past Friday, we had the first ever Bayview Reentry Family and Friends event at the YMCA in the Bayview District where we had up to 15 community-based organizations. We had the police department, we had the sheriff's department, we had the very own DA all come out to the community and talk to the people in the community. You know, it's very big and I stand very strongly on bridging the gap because I represent the struggle. I am the struggle. It, it makes it easier for people to understand that the city, the reentry council and the powers that be are not against the people of San Francisco. That's one of the very big stigmatisms that I know I was taught growing up, running the streets and living that lifestyle. So when the, when the people of the struggle can identify with me and others that's on the reentry council, it, it, it provides hope. It, it lets them know that they too, like I always like to say, can have a second chance at a first class life. When they see it in me, it also shows that I am them. They can also do it. Um, we have a great city, we have great resources, and this city is for the people. 
all, all the people need is to see people that they can identify with and understand that we are them, they are us, and we all are one. Once again, my name is Jabari Jackson. Thank you for the opportunity to have been serving on the Reentry Council, and I'm also re-running to continue the job that I was elected to do years ago. Thank you very much. Thank you. And after Mr. Jackson, we will go to Sharon Moody. Tatiana Lewis. Jesse Fauche. Come on up. Hello, Supervisors. Thank you for the opportunity. <clears throat> My name is Jesse Fauche. Um, the reason why I applied for the seat on the Reentry Council of the Board of Supervisors is because I feel I would be an asset to the Council as a person with lived experience within the justice system. I spent over 13 years of my life in and out of, in, in and out of incarceration. I know what it's like to navigate the reentry space after incarceration, and I know what was helpful to me and what services were lacking and needed. I have been out of incarceration for over five years after graduating Delancey Street. I dedicated my life to my higher education by finishing my bachelor's degree in liberal arts and being of service to people coming home finding barriers to housing and employment. I've worked as a peer mentor, a housing specialist, a supervising healthcare worker, and currently as a coach manager for a local nonprofit workforce development program, specifically for those who have been justice involved. I feel like I could give sound, unbiased advice from a personal perspective and from an organizational standpoint as well. My goal, if given the opportunity to sit on the Reentry Council, would be to find proactive solutions to those needing resources directly out of incarceration. I would try to affect change on a countywide scale in collaboration with other agencies and nonprofit organizations, and as a platform to share my own experiences and perspectives to change some of the common misconceptions society has about injustice involved people. Thank you. Thank you, and congratulations. Next is Jermilla McCoy. Good morning, Board of Supervisors. I too spoke last week. So when I did speak last week, I spoke about being a survivor and a victim. So I'm not gonna um, take too much of your time today. I'm looking to join this council to just basically, I wanna help change the face of reentry as a program manager now at San Francisco Bay Goodwill, program manager yeah. over reentry. I'm looking to join this council to help remove some of the 43,000 barriers that incarcerated, formerly incarcerated individuals face when they're returning home from incarceration, some of those same barriers that I faced. I'm looking to join this council to help, help formerly incarcerated individuals with mental health barriers gain access to employment, gain access to housing inequities, gain access to just removing job readiness training, vocational training, just, just change a lot of these, these social inequities that these individuals face when returning home. So if my message is held, is heard today, one thing that I want is that I want other victims to be able to stand up and be survivors. Thank you. 
Thank you, Ms. McCoy, and thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, next, we'll go to Linda Hirschman. And by the way, if you um, are here and you weren't able to speak earlier, we'll go back at the end. Uh, Ms. Hirschman. Thank you, council members. Um, so you, you also heard me last week, and I just wanted to reiterate, you know, the impact that I feel like I'll bring to this council and as a native San Franciscan, um, as an employer of source of plowshares and Goodwill at San Francisco Bay, where I assist people coming, in a similar, coming out of similar circumstances such as mine, coming out of incarceration in many counts and many instances coming out of addiction, actually in most instances coming out of addiction, because in, especially the way this city is impacted by widespread drugs. Um, there's not many people in jail around here that aren't addicted. And so walking the path through adult probation, through being in and out of incarceration for 25 years, I feel so much from this city. It's hard to walk two blocks from here and not feel the impact that drugs has thrusted upon our community. And I feel like the path that adult probation set out for me, and I really just followed the steps, and I really just got into my recovery. I'm not going to say it was easy, because it wasn't. But I did learn that this is a lifetime of commitment. And I learned about the hills and valleys that each and every one of us impacted by incarceration and addiction go through. It's not a straightaway. It's a squiggly line for all of us, but there's hope with it, and there's support with it. There's support with the therapy, the mental health that's addressed when you come out of probation. The resources that I was once a client of Goodwill and now was invited to work and promoted to make an impact, not just in San Francisco, but in the Bay Area for job fairs and getting these people back to work it sorts the plowshares, it's a special relationship. And, and I, I'm so lucky because I don't feel like at either one of my jobs I'm actually working. They're actually paying me to be me and just be myself and just share what I do. I'm lucky because I don't feel as tired as a normal person that works 60 hours a week usually feels because they give me so much in energy back. And I can give that as a part of the reentry council, I can give that empathy, I can give that drive, I can give that fortitude, I can give that support. My guys, the source of plowshares and the transition house that I work at, they know once they transition to house, housing, it's not over. It's almost like, really is like once a Marine, always a Marine. Once they transition, they have my phone numbers. They know they can call me as a friend, they can call me as support. If, if they're having a weak moment, and I'll come to them. I'm a part of Pure One, which is a reentry service, providing services to people who need direction coming out of incarceration. I've just joined the Excel Network, where I work with Julio Escobar in community with other reentry um, individuals that are going back to school. And I'm proud to say, November 2nd, I'll be reattending Uni University of San Francisco in sport management. And I'm also part of the Latino Task Force, where we work together 
to remove barriers for people with, throughout the Bay Area in housing, in work, in school, in anything they want to go to. And I feel like I feel like a seat at the council, if you put me in it, you'll see a lot done because I'm capable of a lot and I have a lot to give. And every time I give, my energy gets stronger. Thank you. My name is Linda Hirschman. Thank you, Ms. Hirschman. Next, we'll go to Richie Wynn. Good morning, Board of Supervisors. Uh, Richie Wynn here again for the second time uh, to plead my case of um, why I should be on this reentry council. Um, I've given several, a plethora of reasons why I should be uh, considered for <clears throat> the council, mainly, you know, being formerly incarcerated, uh, coming from um, uh, a household of um, formerly incarcerated and drug addicts. Uh, I also uh, have a, a lot of deep roots in the community with um, Health Right 360, with uh, Success Center, uh, that which helped me get through um, to the place I am at now. Uh, I also am just a, a, a waiter. Uh, I wait tables at a restaurant that's right there in the Soma on 6th and Mission. It's called The Pawn Shop, and I plug in or speak with uh, people in this community that are not from that demographic as well. So I would like to think that I have the support of not only the people that are formerly incarcerated, but also of people on the other end of the spectrum that may have never even broken the law before in their life. Uh, so bridging that gap and being able to reach the people through um, social media and being able to do other things of that nature, I feel like I'd be a big asset to the reentry council to bring what we're trying to do to the voters of San Francisco, to the people that actually want better for the city. Um, so yeah, that's definitely something that um, I feel like is another strength of mine. Uh, I'm gonna keep continue doing what I'm doing regardless. Uh, I lost a, a cousin, the one I'm wearing right here on my shirt, his name is Robert Davalos, to fentanyl poisoning. Um, my family and I have been struggling with this now and uh, it's really, like I said, galvanized my stance on cleaning up the streets of San Francisco and trying to help out any way I can. So whether it's through this reentry council or through the activism or the videos that I keep shooting, I'll just keep, continue to do that. Thank you for your time. Thank you. After Mr. Wynn, John Michael Medina, Jr. Yes, good morning, City Council. My name is John Medina. I am applying for uh, seat number two uh, within the reentry council. I'm a previously incarcerated person, as my uh, application stated. Um, I've spent approximately four years providing uh, direct services to AB 109 probationers as well as uh, state parolees. Um, I'm going to talk about a few things that aren't necessarily on the application that I think kind of paint a picture of why um, I feel I'm qualified for this specific role. Um, in the past, I've participated in band box discussions at Policy Link. 
uh, while working with a local nonprofit in San Joaquin County. As we know, that initiative was passed and uh, creates job um, opportunities for previously incarcerated folks like myself. It's definitely helped me land some jobs that I uh, previously probably wouldn't have been able to get. Um, I participated in Operation Ceasefire Collins, um, which is about reducing violence, um, you know, identifying the most, uh, you know, individuals that are prone to commit and or be victims of violence. And so I participated in providing direct services to those individuals and helping them um, make some transition and changes in their life. Um, I've also continued the pursuit of my higher education. I'm 12 units away of completing my MSW, excuse me, at Cal State East Bay. Um, I'm also interested, and I think a big reason why, um, you know, this is important to me is I want to really learn how, you know, inner city government works. Um, you know, I'm aware that boards such as this are vital to improving community um, uh, quality of life issues, um, you know, and I kind of have a mindset of what hurts you hurts me, what hurts them hurts us, you know what I'm saying? And so a big part of this is also helping bridge communication gaps, uh, bringing people together. Um, and improve the delivery of direct services, which I think is a constant ongoing um, challenge, right? There's no, I don't think we really have the answers per se. We, the things are improving, um, but I think that, you know, from a, from my, for myself, it's always about how could I do, do something better? And I believe that if you do the little things great, the big things take care of themselves. And so, um, you know, obviously a big part of uh, working with uh, previously incarcerated folks is reducing recidivism. Um, you know, I believe in a system theories approach as far as, you know, the systems that we operate in as individuals, as, um, you know, groups of people really impact how we move and are interact with the world. And so, um, you know, a big part of it is how do we improve those systems that ultimately produce positive outcomes, right? And so um, that's what it's about. You know, in 2022, I've, I come with a lot of scars in my life, a lot of mistakes that I've made. But I think at this stage of the game, it's about living a right life. It's about, you know, leading by example, and it's about being the change that I seek. Uh, so thanks for your time, and uh, I look forward to hearing back from everybody here. Thank you, Mr. Medina. With that, we'll go to Joanna Hernandez. Good morning, everyone. Um, my name is Joanna Hernandez. Um, I am applying for seat number two on the Reentry Council. Um, as a Latina and a San Francisco Mission native, uh, I know firsthand what it is to be a product of community programs and being alive and free. I also feel that my 25 years of experience bridging the gap between system partners and community programs is something that I can bring to the table. For eight years, I ran in custody programs for uh, five key schooling programs, creating reentry programs for people that are in custody and reentering back into the community. I supported running um, the back on track program under Google Industries and under the office of Kamala Harris. I'm currently the director of the Strategic Partnership for San Francisco Pre-Trial, where primary my responsibility is bridging the gap from the community in our organization for our pre-trial clients. I also have a support group that I run on my own for families that have a loved one that's currently incarcerated or have experienced incarceration. I, I am a parent uh, of a mother whose son is currently in custody right now and who is fighting a case. So I know firsthand what it is to be on the family side as well and supporting other families who are dealing with that pain. One of my major goals in working in my community right now is also to bring awareness around generational incarceration. 
So I feel that I can bring the preventative side to the reentry council and how we can prevent more children in entering this system um, and having them be alive and free as well. So with that, I submit and I wish everyone on this call the best of luck. And if I'm not chosen, I'll continue to do the work um, as someone who also chairs the reentry uh, committee for the Latino task force. And I'm also part of the executive leadership team for the Latino task force. Um, those are also things that I can bring to the table. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Hernandez. With that, we will go on to Tiffany Holmes. Uh, we do have Ms. Holmes on uh, logged in with us today. Ms. Holmes? Hi, we can see you. You can proceed. Uh, you're muted. Can you hear me? Yes, yes you can. Yeah. Good morning, everybody. Uh, thank you for letting me join this uh, meeting again. I am coming to you from CJ2. I just left out of the pods and working with the women, and this is my current job with pretrial diversion program. I run the sisters program here. What I bring to you is the honesty and integrity of what a parolee looks like. I just uh, paroled from CCWF eight months ago. I served a life sentence for, for a crime that uh, was committed because I decided not to deal with my own life story, which is a survivor of domestic violence. I survived by the bottle. And the unfortunate thing is that led to drinking and driving, which took the two lives of David and Adriana, my victims. What I bring is the compassion and the real honesty and also what the women here and the men need here at CJ2 in order to come back into society. What do they need? The resources to be provided to them so that the recidivism stops. We know this is generational, but are we helping them with their trauma? Are we helping them with their recovery is what they need and getting bound to the brass tacks, bringing in the reality for somebody who's boots on the ground and is willing and able to work with them and bring to you what is well needed. I have created a program in CDCR called the FAD program, a DUI program that is not only in Chachilla with the women's facility, but is also expanded to uh, San Quentin. It is currently going there. It is uh, felons looking at the reasons why they decided to drink and not deal with their realities. Um, what I'm asking is for a chance to be a part of a team of people who want to bring resources not only within San Francisco, but within the community and the community abroad within the uh, Bay Area. And I thank you for your time. Thank you for your testimony. Why don't we see if there are any other applicants who have not previously spoken? Mr. Nathan. Hi, if there's anybody uh, in the room or, or on, online who have not yet spoken and is applicant for this body, you can um, uh, identify yourselves. We do have one person in the room. Uh, go ahead and proceed, please. Hello, my name is Yusuf Nathan, and I'm applying for seats one and four of the Reentry Council. I was released in August of 2020, and since my release, I have dedicated my time to support my community as, as I work to, to, 
as I work on setting a strong foundation for my life, I've been working at Five Keys for the past two years, where I've been able to support people struggling with homelessness and other issues. I use my time to provide a friendly ear and give advice and guidance when appropriate. I also have been working, responding to COVID, ensuring that those most, most affected by the pandemic have, have the resources needed in order to receive, to recover with dignity. I've also volunteered to help support young people who are walking on a path that may lead them, <clears throat> lead them to systematic involvement. I am also in the process of setting up my own consultant agency to support community agencies to create an environment that not only fosters a supportive envi in environment for people in the reentry journey, but that it also creates a meaningful opportunity to grow and prosper. With the years that I have experienced going in and out of the system, I've had experience to see what works and doesn't work. For those of us who are on the reentry journey, I stand here before you applying for the reentry council because I have learned what works and doesn't work. I have a support network that, that has allowed me to expand my wings and try new things. Knowing that I, that I am not alone and that together we will succeed, reentry is a team effort. It takes the probation system, opportunities, resources, and support system to find the pathways that lead to building a strong foundation that will prevent recidivism. I hope to have the opportunity to be part of the reentry council so that I can share my experience to help improve the service for those of us who are on the reentry journey. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Mr. Nathan. Are there any other applicants who would like to testify on this item? Seeing none, are there any members of the public who would like to testify on item number one? Yes, members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should line up to speak at this time. For those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001, enter the meeting ID of 2495-877-5111, then press pound and pound again. Once connected, you will need to press star 3 to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue the way until the system indicates you've been muted, and that will be your cue to begin your comments. Uh, can we have our first in-person speaker, please? Good morning, supervisors. My name is Susana Rojas, and I am the Executive Director of Calle 24 Latino Cultural District. And I am actually here to support two candidates. Number one is Yusuf Nathan. He is someone who is in the reentry journey and who has had the experience to know what it takes and what, what works and what doesn't work in order to succeed. I believe that his experience and his um, knowing how you can get lost, even though there are so many resources out there, not everybody gets connected to them right away. And not getting connected to them right away is what um, contributes to the revolving door. Him having the experience of not having been connected to services and now learning and knowing how to search for those services on his own is a great opportunity for him to share that and, and bridge that gap for, um, for those who find themselves lost in the midst of reentry. I am also here to support Joanna Hernandez. Um, her, her capacity and her compassion for those who are in the reentry uh, system and, pro and process is 
unmatched. Um, electing these two individuals um, will provide the council with a powerhouse team that will not only advocate fiercely, but cre creatively think of ways to, to better use the resources available. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, please. Hello, good morning. Uh, my name is Ivan. I'm the manager of the Latino Task Force. Uh, first, uh, here to represent and endorse Joanna Hernandez uh, for, for her seat. Uh, that's the official position of LTF uh, as, uh, as an initiative. And so we would love to see her leadership on that body. Uh, I think in light of recent uh, conversations that have been happening among the, about the Latino community, I think that that type of representation is overdue. Uh, Joanna is someone who's uh, diligently been working to make sure that reentry communities uh, across all demographics have access to support, resources, from now from the point of arrest uh, through the whole justice system uh, as, as her position in, uh, at San Francisco Pre-Child Diversion. But previous to that, to that uh, she has been diligently and intensely working uh, to make sure that people have what they need and are connected not only to, to resources and agencies, but people who care. Uh, and I think that that's something that, that really stands out. Um, and then just on a personal note, just my, my, uh, my place as a provider and as a community member, uh, Yusef Nathan. Uh, so I've known Yusef since he was a very young man and I've seen his journey. I've been part of his uh, development. I've been part of his seeing him transform. And now he's very much in a place uh, validating what he said that he's looking to guide people in a different direction, much in the way that he's guided himself because he didn't have access to services. So uh, he understands that part of the, the work uh, to making sure that people don't get left behind or left out of services. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, please. <clears throat> Good morning, supervisors. Uh, my name is Julio Escobar, and I manage the Restorative Justice Ministry in the Archdiocese of San Francisco. Uh, my work started uh, 25 years ago, um, and I also form my own nonprofit, for which in which we provide scholarships for young people coming out of juvenile hall, as well as people that are on probation and parole. Um, for the past 10 years, uh, we have been doing a reentry conference. This year, in 20, even during the pandemic, we did a virtual uh, reentry conference with 300 people <clears throat> um, for a week. On September 9th, uh, we celebrated our 10th year of the, of the in-person reentry conference, which brought 750 people together at St. Mary's Cathedral. Uh, of the 750 people, there were 100 nonprofit organizations that tabled to serve people that were looking for different opportunities. Uh, of those 100 nonprofits, there were 35 employers that Linda uh, Hirschman helped put together, along with a panel in which she participated to support the working reentry. So um, 
I'm here to recommend her because she's already doing the work in the community. And she's not only a, a leader, but she's a servant. And uh, working along with the probation department in San Francisco, success centers, and other organizations, which already form a committee to support people every day that are looking for a change. Thank you very much. Thank you for your testimony. Next speaker, please. Hello, council members. My name is Michael Davis, and I'm here to support Linda Hirschman, Andrew Miller McCoy, for the seats they're seeking on the reentry council. I met Linda at the DeMontford House, where she was a monitor um, for swords to plowshares. I was a homeless vet, and this place helped me get my own place. I have a job now working for Urban Alchemy. Uh, money in the bank. Linda would sit with us and talk if we had problems with wanting to use drugs again. And she was there to help us through that hard point in life. Thankfully, I've not used them ever again. Um, she's just an exceptional human being. As she works for uh, Goodwill, she introduced me to Jamila McCoy, who set me up with Target cards so I could buy clothes for my interview at Urban Alchemy, because you have to dress all in black. <laughs> Um, and a uh, clipper card so I can get to and from work until I got my first paycheck and can afford it on my own. But uh, more importantly than what they did there, if you believe in restorative justice, I can't think of two individuals better suited for those positions than someone who was an offender and someone who was a victim. Because as an ex-offender, when I took restorative justice programs in prison, once I got to know the victims as human beings and could see those people as my mother or my brother or my niece or my aunt, it would become impossible to commit a crime and make another victim. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for much. your testimony. Are there any other individuals in these chambers who would like to testify on item number one? If not, Mr. Clerk, are there any remote public commenters? Uh, yes, we have approximately seven commenters on, on the telephone line. Please proceed. Can we have our first caller, please? Good morning, Chair and Supervisors. Eliana Binder, Policy Associate for GLI. I'm calling in opposition to Richie Wynn's appointment to the Reentry Council. Wynn's candidacy is problematic and we have significant concerns about the implications for our clients' staffing program. In the street, Wynn has engaged in abusive and violent behavior towards harm reduction service providers who are conducting city contracted outreach work. He's taken it upon himself to interfere with community-based organizations who are providing data-informed interventions during a public health crisis. He repeat, his repeated harassment is fostering unsafe work conditions for our staff. Wynn has shown a lack of compassion and ethics by repeatedly violating the dignity of people experiencing homelessness, posting non-consensual, humiliating, and degrading videos of them online while making self-aggrandizing statements. 
This is hateful and disqualifying behavior for any city official. Furthermore, WIM has an explicit agenda against the city's harm reduction policy and associated interventions, and we question if he would be capable of fairly evaluating proposals that may challenge his perspective. For these reasons, we believe WIM is not well suited to the deliberative public process of the Reentry Council and that he should not represent the city. However, Glide does endorse Tatiana Lewis, who has been a steadfast community advocate and partner, bringing her expertise to the Coalition to End Bias Stops, where she has participated in the DGO 9.01 Working Group to help end pretext stops and racial profiling by SFPD. Through coalition work, we have seen Tatiana skillfully liaise with the full spectrum of stakeholders while helping develop best practices and innovative solutions to public safety and enact system bubble change. Glide also supports Joanna Hernandez and Tiffany Holmes from Pre-Trial Diversion Project as great candidates for the Reentry Council. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me here this morning. I'm not appearing in person to protect my own safety. I'm a director at the San Francisco AIDS Foundation and I'm a victim of the hatred and harassment and violence that Ricky Wynn has perpetrated on people who do city-funded harm reduction work in the city. Um, at one of our mobile sites this summer, he drove up to our site in his car, ran out up onto our site behind the tables, pinned me, a program director, against the table while screaming in my face that I spread disease. We are there providing city-funded services to people who use drugs, distributing naloxone and fentanyl test strips. He repeatedly did this at different of our sites, filming us, screaming at us, quoting scripture at us, telling us we are wolves in sheep's clothing. Our team was so unsafe that our organization needed to hire private security to protect us from, Wiki, from Ricky Wynn further harassing us and threatening us on site while we do life-saving work in our neighborhoods. I just, I just needed to be here today and I'm feeling you know, really impacted and really emotional and I'm hoping that you will not uh, appoint him to the council. I am also here to support Johanna Hernandez and Tiffany Holmes. Please hear uh, what I'm sharing with you today and that he is someone that is um, not appropriate for the council. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, please. Hi, I am a staff member at a local community-based organization, and I'm calling today to oppose the appointment of Ricky Wynn due to his harassment of harm reduction advocates in our community. I do support Joanna Hernandez and Tiffany Holmes from the Pre-Trial Diversion Project as great candidates for the council, um, hoping that you hear some of these really impactful words that we're sharing today and understand that harm reduction is absolutely necessary and comes with, you know, uh, people that really care about that kind of work. So thank you. Thank you, next speaker. Hi, I am a, a staff member at a local community-based organization and I am here to oppose the appointment of Richie Wynn 
He has been harassing my team consistently for months, even going as far as doxing my coworkers and my supervisors. As we all know, the first few days out of jail is when people are the most susceptible to for overdose. And Richie Wynn has been seen filming overdoses without Narcan and not doing anything to help these people. For the sake of the community, please do not appoint Richie Wynn to the reentry council. Instead, please support Joanna Hernandez and Tiffany Holmes from the Pretrial Diversion Project. Thank you so much for your time. Next speaker. Thank you. Next speaker. Hi, this is Sarah Short. I'm with the Treatment on Demand Coalition. Hi, I'm a staff member at a local community-based organization. Uh, one moment. I'm going to pause your timer. If you can go ahead and turn off your uh, background uh, computer or other TV television devices, we are getting. Oh, okay. Got it. Okay. Okay. Ready? Please proceed. Okay. Okay. Uh, good morning, Supervisors. It's Sarah Short with the Treatment on Demand Coalition. Um, I am calling both to um, agree with many of the other callers about the dangers of appointing uh, Richie Wynn to the council. Uh, many people know him from his social media posts and also from Fox News that has picked those up, um, where he's you know, going around filming uh, people in their most vulnerable states uh, using drugs, being houseless, um, and he's seeking fame um, from exploiting the most vulnerable, essentially um, saying nasty comments about them uh, without uh, filming them without their consent and broadcasting them. Um, he shows no compassion, understanding, um, or, or good judgment or ethics as he does all of that. Um, which makes him a really bad candidate for this council. Um, he's, you know, uh, divisive and controversial. Uh, I don't think that's the person we want on a body such as this that uh, is trying to unify people into having, you know, some, some type of a common position on these issues. Um, he's also very, very uh, blatantly anti-harm reduction, which is the city's policy. Um, and has said that he has an agenda to join this council um, in order to take down uh, the harm reduction policy. Um, he also, as you heard earlier, he's actually been harassing people on the streets who are city funded to save lives. Um, these folks are out there passing out clean needles, um, making sure people don't um, die of HIV um, and Hep C, and he is preventing that, uh, physically blocking that. Um, and, you know, generally, I just don't trust his motives. Uh, he seems to be, again, fame-seeking. Um, he is pretty cozy with Fox News, and uh, when he's going out and doing this, uh, videoing Speaker and, and harassing elapsed. others, he... Thank you. Can we have our next caller, please? Hi, thank you, Supervisors. Uh, my name is Lydia Branson, and I am calling uh, on behalf of the Gubbio Project. Um, you have so many great candidates um, for for these appointments. Uh, please do not have Richie Wynn be one of them. He is a controversy profiteer, someone who is creating um, creating business for himself on the misery of other people's circumstances. Um, his actions towards people who are working in the community to help save lives and to create a safe environment um, make him unqualified. 
Joanne Hernandez and Tiffany Holmes are two of the good people that are on your um, list and, and many more. So thank you, please, please do not consider them. Thank you. Next speaker. Can we have our next speaker, please? Hello, thank you for your time today. My name is David Mora from the San Francisco Pretrial Diversion Project. And uh, clearly, you know, I'm slightly biased given that I work with both Joanna and Tiffany, but for a few reasons, one of all, it'd be great to uh, have voices for the almost 7,000 people we serve every year on the Reentry Council. And then you've heard their qualifications, but individually, um, I've known Joanna for about 25 years. I don't think I've ever seen such a tireless and dedicated public servant. Um, her own background coupled with you know, what she's dealing with with her son uh, just make her such an ideal candidate. And uh, you have someone that will continue to pour everything she can into this issue and supporting everyone in San Francisco. And then Tiffany, um, you know, I've only known her for a few months and have been nothing short of in awe of her work and having come uh, almost from prison to parole to go back into the jail again to serve women is remarkable. Her courage, her conviction, her dedication, and you know she has just been an amazing worker since day one. And we're excited. She's going to continue and advance up and work in our housing program. And for both of them, you have an incredible candidate that will really do justice for the people that need our support in San Francisco. Thank you. Thank you. Can we have our next caller, please? Good morning, and thank you for the opportunity to participate in today's proceedings. Um, I am choosing to remain anonymous for my own safety, and I'd like to re uh, make a statement regarding Richie Wynn's attempt to occupy a seat on your council. This is concerning as Mr. Wynn regularly displays behavior that is indicative of someone who is more interested in internet fame and followers than he is in helping people. He willfully and regularly spreads disinformation online about proven life-saving programs, which he clearly has no understanding of. He makes no attempt to acknowledge any perspective outside of his own, and he frequently harasses and videotapes our city's most vulnerable populations, getting into their faces and posting them on social media platforms, even after they tell him they do not consent. He is a bully, and his ego-driven, his-way-or-no-way attitude, lack of empathy and compassion, and willful disregard for the feelings and well-being of others does not serve the community and would not serve this council well. I would further like to offer my support for Joanna Hernandez and Tiffany Holmes from the Pretrial Diversion Project, as they are great candidates for this council. Thank you. Thank you. Can we have our next caller? Hi, this is Laura Thomas with the San Francisco AIDS Foundation. I think you've already heard from a number of uh, colleagues and community allies our concerns about Mr. Wynn. Um, I want to also add my support for Joanna Hernandez in my experience working with her on the Treatment on Demand Council. She's shown herself to be an engaged, curious, thoughtful, compassionate uh, individual, and I think that she would be very well suited to the Reentry Council and uh, would go a long way to helping um, build bridges across different communities and different perspectives, and I encourage you to support her. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that was our last caller. We do not have anybody else on the line for public comment.
Okay, public comment on item number one is closed. Um, I want to start by thanking all of the applicants and thank them for sharing their stories and thank them for their commitment to reentry. Um, as I said, this is, uh, I wish there were more seats and this is a tough decision uh, as the board appoints four members to the reentry council. The fifth seat, by the way, is held by a member of the Board of Supervisors and recently our colleague, Supervisor Stephanie, agreed to uh, fill that seat so the council will be fully populated. Um, I wanna hear from my colleagues, but I, I do wanna say that uh, while all of the applicants um, were compelling, uh, if for no other reason than continuity on the council, I think that having one member who previously sat is very important and that would lend itself to Mr. Jackson's reappointment. He currently serves in seat number four. Uh, Jermilla McCoy was outstanding. Uh, Yusef Nathan was outstanding. Linda Hirschman was outstanding. Joanna Hernandez and Tiffany Holmes as well. Um, but we've, now we've got to wheedle it down, colleagues. So with that, um, with those initial thoughts and, and just relative to gender balance, I just want to point out that the previous incarnation of the council was heavily male dominated and I could certainly see a scenario where the opposite happens this time around. Um, with that, I will turn it over to Supervisor Chan. Thank you, <clears throat> Chair Preskin. Um, I, I, I think, uh, again, just wanted to thank all the applicants for submitting the applications and their interest uh, and willingness, willingness to serve. Um, just giving my, uh, some experience working uh, at the DA's office um, previously, and have some, and as well as City College. Let me just say that I, I really appreciate all those who, um, for the last few decades, laid the pathway and the foundation for the reentry council. And and I want to, and, and it's also the reason why it leads to my decision of supporting, um, you know, a selected few uh, among this large group here. Um, I think first and foremost, Sheriff uh, Mike Hennessy actually uh, was the first sheriff in the nation to establish a women's center in our county jail system, understanding the needs, uh, unique needs for women, uh, incarcerated women. And it's the reason why I will be supporting um, Ms. Tiffany Holmes, um, just having someone understanding the unique needs of women uh, incarcerate, in incarceration. Um, it, it, I think it's critical for the reentry council. Um, also, my brief experience on just um, looking at and evaluating uh, Back on Track as a program, which is, was first launched by former DA, uh, Kamala Harris, now our vice president. It really truly is a starting point about you know evaluating uh, young adults anywhere between 18 to 24 and recognizing the needs for the young adults and what it means for them to uh, really be able to start off and re-entry you know, uh, our community and having workforce development and or education for them to be able to reestablish themselves. And I think that is critical and it's the reason why I will be supporting Ms. Joanna Hernandez. Now, I agree with uh, Chair Peskin that 
uh, we should and ought to have institutional knowledge and, and experience to continue on the work uh, at Reentry Council. Uh, it's the reason why I, I uh, in, am in agreement for the reappointment of Mr. Jabari Jackson. Now, it is difficult and not easy to decide <laughs> with that said, like what, who else could be, and I agree that there are a few candidates truly qualify. But just having my experience working in City College and understand the partnership between City College of San Francisco and just the local workforce development and what the critical role that Five Keys as a program actually plays in our county jail, helping uh, those incarcerated to really find resources, life skills training and job skills training in order for them on upon release actually have a place to go and can continue to reestablish themselves. Uh, when they actually uh, release. And so I think that is actually the role of reentry council. It's the reason why, while it's very difficult to decide, but I, I think in this case, I'll probably will be um, recommending that we support Yusuf Nathan uh, for his role and understanding of the challenges uh, someone just immediately released from county jail would face and through five keys i i believe that mr yusuf nathan's actually have a clear understanding and doing the actual work right now and um, both in the live experience and the work experience thank you chair peskin thank you supervisor mandelman thank you chair peskin um and uh, I was, I've just been, you know, so impressed by all of the applicants um, on heroic journeys um, and hearing your stories has been very meaningful to me. Um, I think uh, it is difficult to um, pick amongst folks, um, but I also think it makes sense to send a Jabari Jackson back um, I think that uh, Yusuf Nathan uh, makes a lot of sense and uh, would be a good addition. Um, I believe uh, that Jermilla McCoy and Linda Hirschman um, would add a lot. Um, maybe an honorable mention to Jesse Fauché, um, but we only got four spots, so that probably my, my picks would be Yusuf Nathan, Jabari Jackson, Jermilla McCoy, and Linda Hirschman. All right, and Supervisor Chan, you said Tiffany Holmes, jo Anna Hernandez, Jabari Jackson, and Yusuf Nathan. Uh, all right, so, and then there are different seats here that they are qualified for. Um, so we have complete consensus on Mr. Jackson, who sits in seat number four, and just relative to the other parts of this puzzle, I think should stay in seat number four. Um, and that leaves us with Yusef Nathan, uh, who two of my colleagues have uh, spoken for, which is a majority of this body, so I can do the math. And that would leave Mr. Nathan with seat number one. And now we've got some tough rowing on uh, McCoy, Hirschman, Hernandez, and Holmes. And I'm just looking here. McCoy and Hirschman can go into two and three. Hernandez is two. Holmes is three. 
I really would like to expand this, buddy, but that would take a long time. Um, Mm -mm -mm. Uh, whoever we choose, I hope all of you will stay very involved in what you're doing and the reentry council, as I feel like I am the tiebreaker here. Uh, no, uh, Solomon will choose one of each, so um, everybody is absolutely qualified. Uh, and with that, I, relative to balancing this body out, will, if colleagues you allow me, say Ms. Hirschman for three and Ms. Hernandez for two. All right, that is a motion. Nathan for one, Jackson for four, Hirschman for three, and Hernandez with a residency waiver, albeit she is a product of the mission for two on that motion. Mr. Clerk, a roll call please, and everybody please stay involved. Yes, um, may I ask if you'd like to send this out as a committee report? As a committee report for hearing by the full board tomorrow as all of these seats have expired. Uh, yes, on that motion, Supervisor Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Chair Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. The motion passes without objection. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Could you please read items two through four together? Yes, item number two is a hearing concern appointing two members, term ending September 2nd, 2024, and two members, term ending September 1st, 2025, to the Assessment Appeals Board number one. Uh, item number three is a hearing concern appointing one member, term ending September 2nd, 2024, and three members, terms ending September 1st, 2025, to Assessment Appeals Board number two. Item number four is a hearing to consider appointing two members terms ending September 2nd, 2024, and three members term ending September 1st, 2025, to Assessment Appeals Board number three. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Colleagues, unlike the last item where we had 15 people for four seats, in this instance, we have less applicants than we have seats. Many of them are returning members. I have done my due diligence uh, for these three very important assessment appeals boards that in this uh, economy will have a lot of work to do on assessment appeals. I want to note that um, just due to the timing of this hearing, many of the individuals are not available to testify, uh, but some of them are. Um, and somewhere I have a cheat sheet from our clerk, but uh, not in front of me. Why don't we start with Jeffrey Morris, the incumbent for seat number one, uh, who is qualified and respected. Uh, or at least that's what my sources tell me, Mr. Morris. The floor is yours, sir, and thank you for your service. Your sources are correct. Um, <laughs> I had a 35-year career in the real estate investment advisory business, and uh, I retired from a large financial service firm by the name of BlackRock all the way back in 2007, and I met with my friend and the assessor at the time, Phil Ting, and said, I want to get more involved in civic affairs. He said, based on your career, you should be on the assessment appeal board. So I applied, and at that time, Supervisor Peskin, in your first tour of duty, you were on the rules committee, and I actually met with you briefly. But um, 
I, I joined in the financial crisis of 2008 through 10 with a tsunami of appeals at that time that the board, the assessor's office under Phil Ting, and property owners had to deal with for a number of years to adjudicate fair values. Then, of course, we had the dramatic improvement in the economy, real estate markets, development, dramatic increases in investment sales, property values, and resulting transfer taxes and property taxes. The question is, have we met an inflection point now with the over 25% vacancy of downtown office space? Will that be reoccupied for office uses, possibly uh, other uses? Uh, I know uh, the city economist Ted Egan, at the request of my supervisor, has been analyzing that, is trying to get his arms around what the impact could be on assessed values and property taxes. So I think my, and I can hardly believe it, my four, year, my four terms of experience on the board would be very helpful in trying to figure out how we deal with this uh, going forward. And um, I, I also want to commend the head of the board, Alistair Gibson, who's worked diligently 50, 60 hour weeks, much of it remote, trying to hold all of this together and hold appeal hearings, mostly remote, now some back in person. In any case, um, I, I very much uh, would request your uh, recommendation for reappointment. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Morrison. Thank you for your many years of service, and welcome back to 2007-8. Uh, Christine Nelson is not available. Adina Gilbert, uh, who is qualified by virtue of being an attorney at law, is available remotely. Ms. Gilbert. Good morning, supervisors. Um, I sent each of you through your aides an introductory email last week. Um, I also want to say what a privilege is it privilege it has been to hear from candidates this morning for the reentry council and also for uh, the appeals board, others who have also been called to service. Uh, yes, I am a retired administrative law judge, having served 24 years at the rent board, and uh, I do feel. Uh, well qualified uh, to hear uh, cases on the Assessment Appeals Board. I'm wondering if you have any questions for me. So, Ms. Gilbert, I looked at your background and resume and think that you would indeed uh, be qualified. My only question, and I meant to ask the city attorney this, and maybe you can clear it up real quickly, is are you a San Francisco resident? And uh, to the city attorney, does an individual on the AAB need to be a San Francisco resident? I am not a San Francisco resident, so that's a great question. Uh, it hasn't come up uh, whether that for, you know, to my knowledge, for me, whether that is a requirement or not. If it is, I would not be qualified to serve. Deputy City Attorney Ann Pearson, I don't know the answer offhand, but I'll look it up and let you know. Okay, that was my only question. Other than that, I think we would be delighted to have you. Um, I actually asked that of a former staffer last night, and that individual also didn't know, and I should have shot an email to Ms. Pearson at 8 o'clock last night, but instead I ate dinner. Uh, why don't we go on to Assessment Appeals Board number two, uh, John Lee, who has written us 
uh, and is an incumbent on the board, is absent, um, and we are in receipt of his letter, and I believe him to be qualified. Uh, Mervyn Conlon for seat number three on Assessment Appeals Board number two. Is Mr. Conlon present? Right. Um, yes. I just uh, unmuted myself. Ah, good morning. And good morning to you and, and, the, and the board and all. That was, uh, I wish the entire city could have heard that re-entry council business. I sat through much of that. I thought it was going to be a boring session and was almost exciting. Um, in any case, uh, my qualifications for the seat on board two include having an appraisal company for over 30 years where uh, myself and a half a dozen appraisers uh, handled uh, real estate appraisal from commercial, residential, and land. My own personal desire is to uh, serve the community in, in some way, which uh, the rest of the real estate industry uh, tends to emphasize. And I want to join in that. Um, I also gain much knowledge uh, from this, uh, from the sessions at the Assessment Appeal Board because uh, they cover a, a wide variety of, of properties, uh, which uh, serves my interest well. And uh, as far as improving the board, I only wish that the public itself was a little more familiar with uh, the uh, appraisal procedures. And uh, I may have some suggestions to the board for that. I believe that's the sum of... Uh, of my statement, and thank you for the time. The income approach, the cost approach, the direct sales approach, we can start that uh, session here at the Board of Supervisors. Thank you for your testimony and for your application. Now we will go on to Yosef Tabazov for seat number four. Young is Mr. Tapazov oh, available. Apologies. Um, double checking. I believe uh, we do have uh, Yosef uh, logged into our system. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Sorry about that. No worries. Yeah. So applying again for my position on. Board two, um, been with the Assessment Appeals Board for about nine years now, going on a 10. Um, feel pretty experienced, um, kind of fine-tuned and, uh, and in sync with the process and reapplying to kind of continue my work there. Aptly put. Uh, any questions or comments for any of the applicants from members of this committee? If not, why the applicants for Assessment Appeals Board number three, uh, Mr. Ridgell and Reynolds, 
are not available this morning, so why don't we open items two through four up to public comment? Yes. Members of the public who wish to speak on this item or joining us in person should I am to speak at this time. For those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001, enter the meeting ID of 2495-877-5111, then press pound and pound again. Once connected, you will need to press star 3 to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue the way until the system indicates you've been unmuted, and that will be your queue to begin comment. I do not see anybody in the room for public comment at this time. And we do not have anybody on the phone line for public comment. Okay, public comment for items two through four is closed. And colleagues, I will, oh, wait a minute. Deputy City Attorney Ann Pearson. Um, Supervisor, I've looked through the state and local laws as well as the Constitution, and I see no requirement that the members be residents of the county. Excellent, when I retire, I'll apply for the one in Alameda County. Uh, Ms. Gilbert, uh, looks good for you. I will make a motion to uh, reappoint Jeffrey Morris to seat number one, Christine Nelson to seat number four, Adina Gilbert to seat number two for item number two, assessment appeals board number one. On assessment appeal board number two, item number three on today's calendar, I'll make a motion to reappoint John Lee and Yosef Tabazov to seats two and four respectively and appoint Mervyn Conlin to seat number three. For item number four, assessment appeals board number three, I'll make a motion to reappoint Mr. Ridgill and Reynolds to seats number one and four respectively. On that motion, a roll call please. Yes, on that motion, Supervisor Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman. Mandelman, aye. Chair Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. And uh, I assume that is with the uh, residency waiver for, uh, it's not required, but should we still uh, note it in the, in the re motion? Why don't you note it in the motion? So Thank you. moved. Amend my original motion to note that Ms. Gilbert requires a residency waiver that may not be required. Yes, that motion passes uh, without objection. All right. Would you please read item number five? Yes, item number five is the ordinance approving surveillance technology policies governing the use of body-worn cameras by the Recreation and Parks Department, security cameras by the Department of Elections, third-party security cameras by the airport, location management system by Recreation and Parks Department, and making required findings in support of said approvals. Colleagues, we amended this item last week and those were deemed to be substantive, so we continued it to today. Uh, the city attorney who worked on this, Zachary Porianda, uh, noticed that there were some track changes that did not quite get in right, but they have now been added to the file. Ms. Pearson, is there anything you would like to say on that technical matter? Deputy City Attorney Ann Pearson, um, what was noticed earlier this morning is that the amendments that you circulated to your colleagues were based off of an outdated draft of the policy. So DCA Porianda has sent to you in the past 20 minutes, I think, a new version of the legislation, a new version of the amendments that you can circulate. 
Okay, I will pass those on to my colleagues, but they are the same in substance, and I will do that right now. One moment, please. I can get all this stuff off of my desk. All right. Um, and Madam Deputy City Attorney, are we in a position today to adopt those amendments and forward them to the full board, or will they require a one-week continuance for their substantive qualities? They will require a continuance. All right. So with that, colleagues, you are in receipt of the revised version, which, if you are willing, we can adopt and continue subject to public comment, but are substantively the same. Um, are there any members of the public who would like to comment on this number five? Yes, members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us person can line up to speak at this time. For those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001, enter the meeting ID of 2495-877-5111, then press pound and pound again. Once connected, you need to press star three to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue the wait until the system indicates you've been unmuted, and that will be your queue to, to uh, make your comments. I do not see anybody in the room for public comment at this time, and there is nobody in line to speak on the telephone line. Okay, public comment is closed, and colleagues, uh, I think we are all in receipt, um, and I don't think this changes any of at least my original policy direction, but we are all in receipt of an email from a member of the public with regard to the recreation and parks deployment of the spottery system for tennis court reservations, uh, which I think was proof positive that uh, this technology has got to go. Um, but uh, so I'll direct you to that and we have a week for everybody to consume that if you have not read it. Um, Supervisor Chan. Thank you, Chair Peskin. I think what you just said confirmed my answer my question. I was wanting to make sure that the language itself is we are accepting the remaining um, of the city department's uh, policy but rejecting specifically the location management from Rec and Park which is also known as the tennis reservation app. So thank you. All right. So with that on the adoption of the amendments and a motion to continue the item one week as amended, a roll call, please. So on the motion to amend the matter and continue the matter to October 31st, 2022, Supervisor Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Vice Chair Manelman. Manelman, aye. Chair Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. The motion passes without objection. Next item, please. Next on the agenda is item, item number six. Ordinance amending the administrative code to require Board of Supervisors' approval of a policy governing the funding, acquisition, and use of certain law enforcement equipment consistent with criteria set forth in state law and approving the police department's use of equipment policy. Thank you, Mr. Young. Colleagues, we've uh, heard this a couple of few times since July. Um, 
I spent some time over the weekend reviewing um, other similar policies and draft policies and took it upon myself to propose a set of changes to the policy on top of the changes that the police department forwarded to us on October 19th, which I have circulated to you colleagues and circulated to the PD. Uh, the PD requests that they have time to look at these and discuss them with me or for that matter, you two colleagues. Um, so subject to uh, public hearing and this will all be in the file and I've given it to the clerk so everybody can see what uh, red lines, strike outs and additions I have proposed in the intervening week. We have Asha Steves uh, from the police department and Captain Jamarina. Uh, and let me just say this about what I've proposed. Insofar as Assembly Bill 481, that is now the law of the state of California, requires that this policy come back on an annual basis. One of the things that occurred to me and that I noticed in other jurisdictions is that we have some baseline amount of information on an annual basis to see whether these policies are working and effectuating um, what AB 481 mandates. Uh, so primarily I added a series of reporting requirements. Now, I am not a law enforcement professional, so I readily admit that maybe I did not structure those in, a, in the most efficient way, uh, which was pointed out to me this morning, but I think the concept is the right concept, um, and we can figure out, uh, as seems to be happening every week between me and the police department, how to get it right in the intervening week. But with that, um, uh, there, were, there was also a number of things relative to things that were listed as purposes that really, I thought, fell under authorized uses. So there was some uh, cutting and repasting from things that were not a purpose but were really a use and things that were uh, a use that were really a purpose. And so I gave it my best Bachelor of Sciences degree hand at that. Um, Anyhow, with that, Ms. Steves or Captain Jamarina, the floor is yours. Thank you so much. <clears throat> so I do want to correct for the record that we've actually only presented this once to this body. So we presented July 11th. Since then, there's been a few discussions about only one presentation of this document. Yeah, I think it landed here twice, but... I don't know, I can look, it doesn't matter, but it's good to see you in any event. Good to see you. And, and with 19B, 19B, I get confused because I've seen a lot of you in 19B. So at any rate, here we are. Here we are. Um, just wanted to give you a brief overview. We do not have a PowerPoint presentation, just wanted to get everybody on the same page. So our first presentation of the draft document was July 11th. Since then, we um, took your comments from the July 11th hearing, created some edits. Um, Supervisor Chan has also um, provided some edits relating to the annual reporting that we are agreeable to and have added to the document. Um, Supervisor Peskin, as you just noted, the um, documentation portion, we'd like to put in the annual report section of, of the document so that it's clear that there is a requirement to log and then go up to the chain of command 
uh, eventually for review of the AC of ops, but also for the purposes of annual reporting. Since then, July 11th, we also added a section um, that actually we're still waiting for confirmation from the city attorney's office. AB 481 has a requirement for each department to include their assault weapons, essentially, um, but it excludes the standard issued um, weapons. So we're in a gray area because these are standard issued for our departments, but we were looking at other approved policies throughout California where they were included. So we mimicked San Diego's approved AB 481 policy and, and in abundance of caution had added those weapons in this particular draft. The latest draft I think we submitted in the end of September. Um, so you may not have anything updated in front of you as part of the legislature that um, includes the red lines that you just discussed, Supervisor Peskin. I've got your October 19th October email 19th. that you sent me. Okay, perfect. And that's what I worked off yesterday. Got it. Um, so, that, yes. That so had Supervisor Chan's language in it. It includes that as well, yes. Um, so we were agreeable to that. We did see a few of the revisions that you have um, submitted that we just would like to uh, provide the chief some time to review because it does impact all of patrol um, and their use of a few of these weapons. Um, but, and then just as a reminder, AB 41 requires specific things. So again, this is a, compl a compliance measure of an assembly bill of a state law, which actually codified uh, government code 770 through 775. So AB 41 does define categories of applicable law enforcement equipment, requires the public posting of current inventory, which we have on our website, um, also requires the governing body, which is the Board of Supervisors, to review and approve our continued use of current inventory. So the proposal in front of you is current inventory. It does not include any proposals for new equipment that we haven't had. And everything that you see in your policy um, includes equipment that's been purchased really between 1991 and 2021. So we have old equipment that we weren't really able to find maybe the um, brand name or the exact cost. So we were able to add fiscal information, all the fiscal information that we were able to find, we included in this latest draft. Um, also the years obtained, that wasn't in the initial draft that we offered in July. So you can see how old some of the pieces of equipment are. Um, so we've had a few updates. We also updated the formatting as was suggested in the July 11th hearing. Um, so we've made several changes, but really we're here to answer any questions you may have. It looks like there are substantive changes, so I don't think it will be voted on today. It sounds like it might, we have more things that we need to discuss um, internally. So we're really here to answer any questions you have about the latest draft. Thank you, Ms. Steves, and not to quibble, but uh, it did appear in committee on the 7th, on the 11th day of July and last Monday, and we can, I'm, Anyway, but this is time number three, technically neither here nor there. Um, I will just quickly go through what, uh, a lot of what I listed were actually just questions. Um, and uh, in many cases, I didn't say what the questions were. I just highlighted them in yellow for future discussion. Um, and you can see those throughout and they will be made a part of the file in case the public wants to follow along. Uh, for, I mean, here's a for instance question. You list under uh, the mobile command units a Ford E350 van from 1992. Is that really still in use? There's just a question. Sure. I think uh, 
I can't speak to whether it's in use, but I can tell you it's in our current inventory. And since AB 481 requires our listed inventory, that's what we posted. Got it. And then I, uh, last night as I was going through chemical agents, they refer to, under legal and procedural rules, they refer to different tactical unit orders. So I wanted to see what those tactical unit orders said. So I did the good old Google thing and I can't find them on the internet. So we need to make those publicly available if they, so everybody can understand. So our legal it, unit typically reviews any of our written directives, which includes our DNs, our unit orders, or DBs, that might include tactical information that's not public information, because then the public would know what our tactics are and could get ahead of them, essentially. Um, so there are some that have gone through the legal unit where they're not publicly available for a specific reason. So what I can do is I can go back to our legal, just determine that these are, fit that criteria uh, to see if we can make them publicly available. And then insofar as in an earlier conversation we had, there was a conversation wherein I think it was represented to me that if an authorized use wasn't listed, then it was prohibited, is what I think uh, Diana said to me at some point, because it said authorized uses are X, Y, and Z, and the assumption, although I think it needs to be stated, is if it's not listed, it's not authorized, but, which is fine, but I noticed under the LRAD, the Long Range Acoustic Device, um, it very specifically said, uh, where that it's no other uses are authorized. And so if we're gonna say it there, then I think we have to say it in other places, but we need to get clearer on that so that it tracks sure. all the way through. So I can give you some background on that. We literally cut and paste from the um, presidential executive order that went out in May that um, specifically spoke to LRADs and the prohibition of. So we can certainly make that language um, more uh, specific to SFPD and not cut and paste, but I understand what you're um, what you're saying. Um, all right. Well, I'm happy to continue to talk to to you folks, uh, Captain. Anything you want to add, subtract? No, thank you. All right, uh, colleagues. Any comments? If not, are there any members of the public who would like to comment on this item number six this morning? Yes, members of the public who wish to speak on this item and joining us in person can line up to speak at this time. For those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001, enter the meeting ID of 2495-877-5111, then press pound and pound again. Once connected, you need to press star 3 to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue the way until the system indicates you've been unmuted, and that will be your queue to begin your comment. I do not see anybody in the room for public comment at this time, and we have three callers on the line for public comment. First speaker, please. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Uh, good afternoon, good, uh, good morning. My name is John Lindsay Poland. I work for the American Friends Service Community. Um, and I want to, uh, I'll add it for uh, Chair Pestman's amendments. I do believe that the um, clarification on uh, authorized use should be applied to all types of equipment. That is not just make it specific to SFPD. I believe that was the chair's intention that that should be the case for all types of equipment. Um, my concerns about the policy are not just about reporting, which I think is a good addition, but about the lack of definition for authorized uses. 
So, for example, uh, for assault rifles, it's to effectively control a scene um, or enlarge critical incidents, which are not very well-defined situations for authorized use. Similarly, for the less lethal projectiles, um, it appears that they, under the authorized uses, they could be shot at a person point blank or at someone in a mental health crisis or at children. Um, for armored vehicles, um, they are to be used by tactical teams, um, but it doesn't say could they be used for crowd control, for promotional activities. It appears that with that language, um, they could be used for crowd control or for promotional activities, which we believe would be highly inappropriate um, in any uh, community, um, specifically San Francisco. So we, we would strongly urge you, since this is going to come back, to uh, amend these in order to make the authorized uses more specific and more appropriate for when this type of militarized equipment uh, uh, may be used by the department. Um, thanks so much. We're um, very happy to meet with you and discuss this further in the intervening week with the department and or with any members of the committee. Thank you. Next speaker. Good morning, Chair and Supervisors. Eliana Binder again on behalf of GLIDE. AB 481 grants you and other local governments greater oversight over the militarization of law enforcement, and we ask that you incorporate the community proposed amendments that are shared with you today. Police departments that acquire military-grade equipment are more likely to use violence, and military equipment is more frequently deployed in the low-income black and brown communities, meaning the risks and impacts of SFPD's militarization will be experienced most acutely in marginalized communities. There are already persistent disparities in policing in San Francisco, and a recent report found that San Francisco ranks the worst in the state when it comes to police-caused hospitalization rates for black residents. Military equipment is a force multiplier, and your decisions today will have far-reaching consequences for further exacerbating San Francisco's disgraceful disparities. Based on the data and stories related to us by community members and clients impacted by the generational harm caused by SFPD, we should be aggressive in our approach to oversight. This policy does not safeguard the public's welfare, safety, civil rights, or civil, liber civil liberties a requirement of AB 481, and the ordinance must be revised to fully specify what uses are authorized for each weapon and SFPD's arsenal of military gear must be reduced. The proposed policy is missing key requirements of state law, and it is vital that the board get this right. Please take the time to thoroughly consider the proposed policy and incorporate these in further community concerns. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Hello, my name is Paul Briley, and I live in San Francisco in District 10. I'm also a proud member of All of Us or None. I asked the Board of Supervisors to call for further amendment of the proposed military equipment use policy. I grew up in Hunters Point, and Hunters Point was once a naval shipyard, and I've had to witness armored vehicles and military equipment from that shipyard be used against the community. Um, I'm frightened that if this was to go forward, that the military that the military equipment will be used against the community. This policy does not safeguard the public's welfare, safety, 
civil rights or civil liberties. And AB 41 requires governing bodies to only approve the use policy if it will safeguard the public's welfare, safety, civil rights, and civil liberties. Um, that is all I have. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any remaining members of the public for this item number six? I believe we have one more caller. Can we have the next yes. caller, please? Hello, my name is Tatiana Lewis. I'm with Legal Services for Prisoners with Children. I'm also a proud member of All of Us or None. I reside in Hunters Point, Bayview District 10, and I asked the Board of Supervisors to call for further amendment of the proposed military equipment use policy to reduce the arsenal of military gear. We are a city and not a military. SFPD should not have so many weapons of war. It is important to me in the community to reduce SFPD's military equipment because it is traumatizing to kids and even adults to see this going on in their community. We have witnessed a lot of violence from the police that, that resulted in police killing individuals in the community. This policy does not grant the safety of San Francisco, and I feel this equipment will be used against the community. And that is all I have, and thank you for listening to my public comment. Thank you, Ms. Lewis. That was our last caller. All right, public comment on item number six is closed, and I will make a motion to continue this item one week to our meeting of October 31st, Halloween. On that motion, a roll call, please. Yes, on the motion to continue, Supervisor Chan. Chan, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman. Mandelman, aye. Chair Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. The motion passes without objection. Ms. Steves, we will be talking. Next item, please. Next on the agenda is item seven, ordinance amending the administrative code to revise the definition of gender identity, sex, and sexual orientation and add the definition of gender expression in chapter 12B and 12C, revise the definition of age in chapter 12A and 12B, and revise the definition of disability in chapters 12A, B, and C. Thank you, Mr. Young. Colleagues, we have been asked by the mayor's office, the chief sponsor of this item to continue it as it is subject to meet and confer. So I intend to honor that and make a motion to continue this item to the call of the chair, hopefully to be heard on November 14th or thereabouts. Are there any members of the public who would like to speak to this item number seven? Yes, members of the public who are in the room and would like to provide public comment can line to speak at this time. For those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001, enter the meeting ID of 2495-877-5111, then press pound and pound again. Once connected, you will need to press star three to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue the way until the system indicates you have been unmuted, and that will be your cue to begin your comment. Uh, there's nobody in the room for public comment at this time, and there's nobody on the phone line for public comment at this time. Okay, public comment for item number seven is closed, and colleagues, I will make a motion to continue this item to the call of the chair. On that motion, a roll call, please. Yes, on that motion, Supervisor Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Chair Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. The motion passes without objection. And we are adjourned.